Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and it's a pleasure to welcome you aboard to another episode. Your ears are not deceiving you. That's right, you, you think it's not going to be a, a while until you hear another Video Bob Game Pants episode, and here's another one creeping up on you. Uh, it has just been a few weeks ago since we checked out Employee of the Month, SpongeBob's very first point-and-click adventure game on the PC, and here we are again with another SpongeBob appearance in a Nickelodeon party game. His first appearance in Nicktoons Racing, you know, very easy character to kind of add in, uh, had wonderful representation throughout the game with excellent Bikini Bottom-inspired levels, and and it's no different here with Nickelodeon Party Blast. There is a lot of SpongeBob to be found. As with all the other Nicktoons that are included in this game, the developers of the game are Data Design Interactive, and our publishers are Infogrames Interactive, who may not seem uh, like a familiar presence in today's gaming world, but in fact, back in 2001, Hasbro sold Hasbro Interactive to Infogrames, Infogrames Entertainment, and then eventually... Infogrames licensed the Atari name and logo from Atari Interactive and officially changed its name to Atari Interactive, which, of course, doesn't make them, you know, retroactively the original creators of Atari. But as far as I know, to this day, if you go down the pipeline of, of looking for Infogrames, you are led to current day Atari Interactive, which is nice little piece of extra information for you. It has nothing to do with the game at hand, but nice little uh, nice little tidbit. As far as Nickelodeon Party Blast is concerned, I want to start out with the positives, because my positives, I don't really have to, to look far to find them. They're, they're there, they're present, um, and it all really starts off with the box art of the game. This box art is perfect. It is eye-catching if you're a fan of the Nicktoons. Right then and there, boom, you see SpongeBob, Otto, Tommy, uh, Eliza Thornberry, and then in his full 3D glory, Jimmy Neutron, a fresh face to the Nickelodeon family around this time, but throwing him on the box art was a smart move because the contrast between his design and all the other characters there just, it pops. The deep purple behind the logo, which, by the way, I gotta say, I love the Party Blast logo. With my only complaint coming from maybe the blue slime behind the green, I don't think that really contrasts as well with the yellow and then the orange, but you know what? It, it sits there nicely above that deep purple. I'm a big fan of purple if you uh, if you haven't caught from any of my previous logos or whatnot, but um, I, I love this logo. I love this cover, and it's eye-catching. It's what made me rent the game in the first place, and I'm lucky that I rented it first because if I saw this in a store... Uh, goodness, would I have convinced my parents to buy this for full price, and then I would have been uh, stuck with this game beyond its shelf life? Which, for me, that's kind of what would happen. If my parents ended up buying a game that wasn't necessarily the best, even if I knew that, I would end up playing it more than if I rented it and I only had it for a night or two. Then, you know, hey, if, if it wasn't that good, I was done with it after an hour. Hey, return it back to my mother. Hey, this is going right back to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. I don't want this game anymore. Uh, that's kind of what happened with Nickelodeon Party Blast. So if I would have uh, purchased it before renting it, then I probably would have played more of the game. Now, as far as the game is concerned, it was originally released for the Xbox on October 30th, 2002, uh, then being released on PC on October 31st, 2002, then eventually being released for the GameCube on December 6th, 
2002, a later release for the GameCube, which was the system I had at the time. Now, there is no PlayStation 2 version of Nickelodeon Party Blast, which is incredibly weird because if you're familiar with that generation of consoles of that time, the Xbox, PS2, and the GameCube, more often than not, if if a game was to release on two systems, it was going to release on guaranteed the PS2 and then either the GameCube and the Xbox. But nine times out of ten, the PS2 version was just the, the anchor. It was the constant. It was the guaranteed release of almost any game, unless they were console-specific releases, you know, like any Nintendo first-party titles or if, if Microsoft had, had any games that they paid for. But if it was multi-platform and it wasn't going to be released on a console, very, very rarely do you have a game that only releases on Xbox and GameCube. Um, the only other one I can really think of is Shrek, uh, Shrek Extra Large. I don't know if that had a PS2 release. I think that was just uh, an Xbox game that was then ported to GameCube. But uh, this is just bizarre. So it was planned at one point. Um, you can even find in the code the model of the DualShock 2 controller, which would have been used in a very specific part of the game in which if you're playing on the GameCube, you see a GameCube controller, vice versa, for Xbox. As far as how the game plays, what is this party game about? Well, you're introduced to the game by CatDog. They are our resident hosts of the entire ordeal. They sit on their couch, they have their headsets, their microphones, they have their, their little bow ties on with a big old screen behind them. And this goes hand in hand with what I mentioned before about the presentation of the game. Beyond just the box art... Everything from the models of the characters that we see in this, you know, kind of cute opening cutscene to the voice acting of Cat Dog for the most part. They clearly do not have Jim Cummings voicing Cat in this game. They they had to get a sound alike who doesn't really sound like Cat or Jim Cummings, but I will say there are moments in which he's talking with Dog that you can kind of, you know, hear Cat very slightly and you can understand why this person got the job they were able to get it in certain moments uh dog on the other hand seems to be voiced by tom kenny he sounds one-to-one -one. i unfortunately am not able to to verify this through even the credits of the game uh, i have them running and i've been looking and there is no mention of any of the the voice actors there's not even a name for tom kenny so i don't know if all of these were done by other people and they just were able to sound pretty close to the characters for some of them, and, and that, that's pretty fantastic. The voice acting in this game is almost non-existent, other than CatDog, who has a lot of voice lines for this game. I was surprised by that playing through it, the amount of times they would um, talk in between the, the levels. Um, as far as the other characters are concerned, they have a small myriad of voice lines they could pull from, um, but mainly you're either hearing the excitement of the characters getting a shot on another one, or you're just hearing a grunt of a character getting hit. It, it's a lot of that. It's kind of messy, and I'll, and I'll get to the sound later on, but as we start the game, we get Cat Dog. He looks great. Hey, that couch is beautifully modeled, and that's just a part of the presentation part that I gotta say is, is a bit of an A-plus for me. There have been a lot of studios to handle the Nickelodeon license, and um, for a lot of cases, sometimes it's finding a certain game style and then just slapping the Nickelodeon branding on top of it, whether it's not it's a racing game, a fighting game, a party game. And in in some cases, some studios get that, that art style down correctly, where everybody just looks good and it just fits. This is one of those games that falls into that pile where I, I do think... 
that everything looks good for as as good as it can. Let me just pump the brakes there. If you're someone who maybe didn't grow up in this era of gaming, then these graphics might not look at all impressive and these might look terrible because you're you're seeing stuff being done by people in their bedroom uh, over the course of like 10 hours that could blow something like this out of the water. And I'm coming from the mindset of how I would have looked at this game as a kid. And hey, 11-year-old, 12-year-old Eric was at least visually impressed with the Nickelodeon license adapted for this game. That very specifically is what I'm talking about. I don't want that to be misconstrued for any other part of this game. But when it comes to the usage of the license, I'm giving it a solid A, which leads right into our character selection for the game. Uh, first off, we have Angelica and Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. We have Invader Zim from Invader Zim. SpongeBob SquarePants from, uh, you, you know. Eliza Thornberry from The Wild Thornberries. Otto and Reggie Rocket from Rocket Power. And then, of course, Jimmy Neutron, who you would think is being represented by the adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. But pump your brakes there. This is before that TV show was even on television. So this is Jimmy Neutron from the movie. They were already incorporating him into all things Nickelodeon because they just knew this is a character that is a slam dunk with kids and is still to this day as beloved as ever. And please bring back Jimmy Neutron to Paramount Plus even just bring back the show season four, the adventures of Jimmy Neutron boy genius, pick it up where it left off. That's, that's all we're asking for. But this is a great character selection. I, I was really impressed by this, especially the inclusion with Invader Zim, who, other than his appearance in uh, All-Star Brawl, this is probably his best 3D model that I, at least I can think of. The only other game that I can remember Zim being in is uh, Globs of Doom, and I really don't like that 3D model, at least in the cutscenes. I, I can't say how I, I feel about it in the gameplay, because I didn't really play much of that one. But, uh, but his model here is pretty good. SpongeBob, I am actually really impressed with. This might be one of my favorite 3D models of his up to this point, simply because they decided instead of modeling his mouth and his eyes, they just used kind of PNG images of his actual mouth and his eyes so that while the game is being played, I mean, he aesthetically just looks like a really good 3D model of SpongeBob. And he has a lot of really good eye movements that you can only get animating him this way because it looks you know you're almost using images from the actual show on his face so it's gonna look a little bit better as far as worst model is concerned that goes to eliza thornberry staring at this selection screen uh she does not translate well to 3d in in this era of gaming uh probably now they would be able to model eliza a bit better but at, th at this time I don't think it was a good model for her. And I would say second to that, maybe Otto, simply because his hair doesn't look as much of the dreads as it should. It just kind of looks like he's got a big, like a racer haircut. Like he's almost got like like half of what Gerald has as far as a hairstyle. But you can only do so much at this time period. Uh, that to me is really just being nitpicky. As I said, as far as just the the over gloss of everything that we have here the character designs the selection everything it's still that a it is still that solid a I, i'm not going to deviate from that even with the slight nitpicking 
Uh, I almost said nitpicking, which is what you're kind of doing here at the selection screen. You're, you're nitpicking, but... Once you have found your character, it is time to select your mode. There are three modes available. There is the blast mode, the replay mode, and then the cup challenge mode. But for this playthrough, we're just going to go through the entirety of the blast mode. After you select blast mode, you have the option between five of the different mini games that we have at, at the start here for Nickelodeon Party Blast. Now these are the five different main game modes for Nickelodeon Party Blast, but there are also three different bonus games that you can unlock uh, while you're, you're going through the game. But the five main ones that we have here are starting out with Food Fight, The Pipe Challenge, Rollerball, Squirt and Splash, and Racing. Now, there are three bonus gameplay types that we'll get to, but each minigame style has three levels before you get to a boss battle and then a final version of this minigame that throws a bit of a twist into the level. Uh, Food Fight, for example, has your three different levels, starting out in Bikini Bottom. Then we go to an Invader Zim-style fast food restaurant, very reminiscent of one of my favorite Invader Zim episodes, followed by another food fight in the uh, Pickles uh, Kitchen, then the boss battle of the food fight levels, happening with a juice robot in the Pickles Kitchen. Then you get a final level in a Wild Thornberries-themed area, which I, I gotta say was was one of the, the worst of the food fight areas, simply because there was almost no food being thrown out, and there was the cheesiest... Gatling gun in the middle of the level that I, I felt weird using because it was just destroying all the other characters and I was winning, but I also knew that if it wasn't me going to use it, it was going to be one of the computers. So any moment that I could cheese in this game a bit, I, I decided to do it because the computers were, were pretty unfair and uh, unruly as the difficulty went up. I, at some points of my playthrough, there was just times of true frustration where it felt like a rubber band effect was not only in effect but just tenfold that was happening like if I was getting ahead in any certain way you could bet a computer character was going to come out of nowhere and just destroy my life this was rarely happening in the first level or two but in that third level before the boss things got really difficult no matter what the minigame style was uh food fight as a whole, I like the concept, but there's almost no strategy to it. The strategy almost comes from waiting until the, the droppable power-ups happen. There are power-ups that luckily, you know, do change from minigame to minigame. For the most part, there's a nice selection of power-ups that don't change. So you're pretty used to seeing those drops happen and then what those power-ups do. And, and using those can help add to your strategy. But... Food Fight was was just more of a, a button masher for me. The pipe challenge was very interesting. And I gotta say, it was one of my favorite modes in this game, depending on the level. As far as a mode is concerned, I, I enjoyed this, I think, the most. But definitely there were levels I would say no to that uh, sentiment. The pipe challenge might be my favorite idea of a gameplay style in Nickelodeon Party Blast. It, to me, was the most strategic out of all of the mini-games. And it's pretty pretty obvious when you, I explain what you have to do. It's, it's definitely not of a button-masher kind of mini-game. Uh, but the point of the game is that no matter what level you're in, there is a fuel source of some sort. And the goal is to collect pipes and to connect piping 
from your fuel source to whatever the outgoing item is, whether it's a treasure chest or a, uh, a chicken that you're making radioactive or uh, fuel for rocket ships that you're sending out of the ground. Um, either way, you want to connect your pipes from the fuel source to the outgoing source while defending them from other characters, because while you're connecting your pipes together, other characters can come in and steal your pipes and vice versa. You're going to have to steal other characters' pipes to survive to stop them from getting the most points. Um, now, as I mentioned, there there was different levels of enjoyment of this minigame from level to level. And uh, that really came from the level design and also to whatever other level gimmicks may be present. I had a blast with this, no pun intended, with the very first level, which was based off of Jimmy Neutron. It was just, it was a very simple design stage, a simple concept, and I quickly learned how to play this minigame and felt confident moving on to the future, future levels ahead of me. But before I knew it, all of a sudden I was met with such a challenge where there were just different elements to the levels that changed it up, and there were also different fuel sources you could get points from and there were characters that were just juggling the situations a bit more than how I was doing it and I I had to become a bit defensive when I'd get at least one track of pipes done and I I got a good groove as the levels went forward the boss battle of these levels are concerned and you would think after our first boss being a, a juice robot that all right they're, they're just all going to be you know generic bosses but the boss of the pipe challenge is Mr. Krabs at the Krusty Krab himself, which was uh, just an absolute blast. Next up, we have Rollerball, which I, I have to say, out of all of the mini games of the, the game, this may not be my number one favorite. This is my second favorite. But this was the easiest set of levels to, to just be done with. I absolutely dominated when it came to Rollerball. Um, I don't know if it was just the the way the AI was written for Rollerball, if I was just that good with it, but I, I had a breeze. Maybe not in this first level, but as soon as I got through in the second and third levels, I was nobody could touch me. I had a strategy. I had a way to get the points down. And as far as what Rollerball is concerned, it's all the characters on roller skates, and it's just basketball. It's just basketball. No matter the level, there are different hoops that you can throw into, and it's about getting a basketball in your hands and just either throwing it or dunking it. And I got to say, I, I decided to go the dunking route, and, and bar none, I was just dominant on the court. No one could touch me. Now, if I let you guess, out of all the Nicktoons who could possibly be in the boss battle position of Rollerball, and, and the fact that I even said it was a Nicktoon, spoiling that fact, so even giving you an edge and not guessing that it's an original character again. But if I let you guess out of all of the Nicktoons who the boss battle for Rollerball would be, there'd be no way that you would guess in your top uh, 25 of who you think this character is. But the boss character for Rollerball is Jimmy Neutron's pet dog, Goddard, who it's not just a one-on-one -on -one competition. It's Goddard with two basically VR clones and it's essentially three on one but Goddard and his boys were not prepared for the thunder I was bringing to the court that day uh, they had no chance to even reach my level uh, that I was bringing I, I didn't know Spongebob was that good at basketball but but I don't think anybody was prepared for the domination that happened on the court that day uh, after that we have uh, Squirt and Splash 
the worst mini game out of the five selected. Uh, if you happen to like Squirt and Splash, I that's totally fine. It, I would absolutely play it if somebody really wanted to play it. But um, the the point of this game is that everybody has a a source on their back of water or liquid that they are shooting out at other characters. Depending on the level, it could be um, bubbles in other levels. It could be water, and in other levels, it, it's some pink liquid. But you're you're spraying this at characters, and when you're not spraying, it refills. And the point, obviously, is to just get the most points out of all of the characters being used. The first level of this set a weirdly high bar because I'm not saying I had fun, but what was really interesting was that the level itself was kind of breaking apart as the time went on. And I thought, like, all right, this is a really interesting aspect to this mode, and I found fun in that. But not every level had that same kind of gimmick, so my uh, my attention for uh, for Squirt and Splash, as funny as that title sounds, was uh, was really weighing. And it also felt weird to play as SpongeBob and be in a mini game where a point of the mini game is to avoid water, it, even when you're not using water as a device to spray the characters. Which then you think about it, spraying SpongeBob and him being harmed by that is really silly. But most of the levels have some sort of water hazard to avoid. And uh, and I know it, it's, it would be silly for character-specific things like this to exist. I'm not saying that they should. It just, it was funny that of all of the modes, they're like, like, avoid water. And I'm here as SpongeBob, like, uh, I, I'm, I think I'm fine, man, if I touch water. I think I'll be good. It'll be fine. I didn't really have too much trouble with that that mini game. I think there might have been one of the levels that was really tough. What was really weird, the boss battle for that uh, mini game, the, the Squirt and Splash, is both Dib and Gaz from Invader Zim in a two-on-one battle. And the first time I get to this boss battle, literally, it starts. And I think I fall down one of the holes that should bring you to another part of the level. But then the level ends as if I died and Gaz and Dib had won. And it was like, okay, that's weird. I guess I'll avoid those holes. And then I started the level over again, and both Gaz and Dib were just jumping in those same holes and, and popping out, and they were falling off of the level and not dying. Uh, whatever. I don't know what happened that first time, but I eventually, uh, I eventually took both of them down. The racing part was also fun and equally the most frustrating in the game, along with Squirt and Splash. And it was frustrating because of how simple... The racing aspect was so therefore you'd think all right i i got this i can i can win at this and and you would be good and then in just certain aspects this would fall right apart and and how do i explain this is i think where the rubber banding effect really came into play was the racing and this was the last mini game of the blast mode really like the last like set of mini games with a boss battle so so this was it so the pressure was on to finish up and and there would just be moments where I would be dominant through 75% of the of the match, and then all of a sudden, because of power-ups and the computers, they would just come full force right after my points, and then right in the end, I'm left being either third or fourth, and just frustrated, like overly frustrated knowing I had to play through these levels again. Um, but what was fun is that the different racing elements ranged from uh, being in, in inner tubes in the water to having little go-karts, to even snowboarding. I was really surprised with the snowboarding, and each of these race styles 
had different angles to them. So it wasn't just playing the same minigame over and over and over again as it was throughout most of the of the game where you were just changing level to level. You were just doing the same thing. Here, you were doing the same thing, but at least some of it changed up enough where it felt different, and I liked that. So when it came to the snowboarding one, even though I had to play through it two or three times because these other characters were just were just taking my number and running with it, uh, I had fun. I was enjoying myself. It was frustrating, but I was I was also enjoying myself with the snowboarding one and even the go-kart one. I think I dominated that right out of the gate. The uh, boss battle of all of this racing sends you down a two-on-one snowboarding adventure against the uh, the most shocking inclusions of this entire game when it comes to Nicktoons. Um now, I know I built up Goddard before. What was shocking about Goddard is more that he was the boss of the rollerball levels. Not that he was involved. Goddard as a boss in general isn't as shocking as the inclusions of Ray Rocket and Tito from Rocket Power, two of my favorite characters uh, in Nickelodeon history, two of my favorite adult characters, and you're in a two-on-one snowboard battle, and it's not both characters at once, uh, which would be nice. I would actually have liked that. But how this level happens is um, it's more of an obstacle course than the other snowboarding level. But as you're going through, there are certainly different parts where you can get left behind. And every time, if it's Ray and he gets left behind, then Tito kind of jumps in. If Tito gets left behind or falls down a pit then it's Ray's turn and vice versa. And they each have their own um, point values. So if they together beat you, then you you lose. And that happened the first time. Like I, Even though throughout the three characters I had the most points, Tito and Ray together had more points, so then therefore they won the battle against me. So I had to fight him again, and, and the second time there was a different result. I absolutely crushed them that second time, to be fair. Uh, and then you have a, a final race uh, along the uh, river again, a more difficult version of the river than the, the first time down. There are also three bonus uh, mode styles. One that is essentially just sliming your opponents and whoever can can be the last one standing can can be the winner. It's pretty much just like Food Fight, but you're only using really a slime gun and the ability to pick up and throw your opponents. On top of that, there are two bonus games that involve clams, the first of which kind of looks like Hungry Hungry Hippos and kind of plays like it too, where you're tethered to your your goal and you're basically corralling different clams back into your, your goal. And the other one is very similar, but all of the characters are tethered to the middle of the court instead of having their own separate goals that they're bringing the clams over to. And this one, you're, you're bringing them all to the middle, whereas it's very chaotic. And it really is nice to get at least something unlocked for all of your troubles, um, other than just unlocking higher difficulties for different minigames. By the end of my playthrough, I gotta say, I was more exhausted than I would have imagined for playing a, a GameCube game for about two, two and a half hours. Um, the, the frustrating parts were very frustrating, and there were certainly moments of my playthrough that I, I gotta be honest with you. If I wasn't playing this game for the podcast, there are more than a handful of times I probably would have shut it off. Completing the games I play for this show is a sense of pride for me, so I'd like to see these things through, even if they are not the most enjoyable experiences. 
Um, but yeah, there were a few times that that I, I think I normally would have shut the system off. Like my instincts were kicking in in terms of like, hey, just put the controller down and move on. Do you do you really need to to play this this last racing game to tell everybody the full experience and what your thoughts are? And and the answer is yes. I, I got to be fair to myself and fair to you. I know that devoting two to two and a half hours might not seem like that much. Um, and, and it isn't, but then you're adding on the, the recording and the editing, um, making sure uh, the recording of the gameplay going through. There's a lot that has to be found here, uh, and I do just pride myself in making sure that I can finish these games to the best of my ability, even if they are not the greatest experiences. So all in all, I am I am proud uh, of myself for pushing through. Um, but by the way, I don't know if I, I ever really mentioned this, the, the reception of this game currently sits at a 19 out of 100 for its Metacritic score, and it received a 1.1 out of 10 from IGN for its Xbox release, which is a brutal score, but I also believe the Xbox version might be riddled with a few other bugs that I hope were patched out for the GameCube release a few months later. Um, but 1.1 out of 10. Do I think that this game deserves that level of a score? No, because... A 1.1 has to go to like a truly unplayable game, and this might not be the funnest Nickelodeon experience that you can find, but is it anywhere near unplayable? No, it's certainly playable. Is it fun? That's certainly subjective, and it's also going to determine who you're playing with, because if you're playing this alone, on your own, against computers, that's where I think... The flaws are going to show in this game more so than if you're playing with a group of friends. If you're playing with three other people, especially when you can find a game mode that you like, one of the mini games, uh, a level specifically that you like, I, I think then you can find some enjoyment when it comes with Nickelodeon Party Blast. So I, I don't think this is a 1.1 level game, at least the GameCube version. I, like I said, I think the Xbox One might have some more bugs in it, which would then justify that score a bit more. Uh, but that is this week for I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. I appreciate each and every one of you for coming aboard and listening along. You can reach Captain Eric at SpongePodPodcast at gmail.com. Send in your questions for SpongeBob for, for myself. Anything you send in, I have no problem reading here on the air. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. By the way... My Instagram followers uh, jumped up unexpectedly out of nowhere, and I just want to address something full transparency. One of the most detestable things for me to think of for any creator out there or whatever other verbiage you want to use if you think creator is a bit too pompous, but is for someone to artificially inflate their numbers, whether or not it's for followers or for views. Captain Eric is not about that. I have no problem if only a handful of the world likes my stuff, follows my stuff, comments on my stuff. I don't ever want to overinflate who is on the ready crew. I, I want to know that my numbers are mine. So um, my Instagram numbers for a while were, I think, under 100 or hovering at least around there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just jumped up to 500. And then I just started going through and it just seemed to be a lot of pages that weren't legitimate. And I said, you know what? If somebody else sees this, they might think other of, of Captain Eric. So I just want to say that first and foremost, not once am I going to artificially 
inflate my views, my subscribers, my followers on any of these social media because I personally want to be proud uh, when I achieve certain numbers or when I get to certain levels. I want to know that everybody there is is legitimate, at least from my end. So I had no reason to address that here, um, but I wanted to. And that's what I'm about. I, I'm about transparency. Uh, I'm about being open with you guys and letting you know how things are on the ship here. Um, and I appreciate you guys for listening. If you're still listening up to this point, I, truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Please check out my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, dropping every Sunday on most podcast platforms. And don't forget, most importantly, to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel. If you're listening to this podcast up to this point, 33 minutes in, and you are not subscribed to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, do yourself a favor. Take three seconds of your life and go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then if you are there and you would like to be notified anytime the captain puts something out, you can hit that bell for notifications. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link, either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects goes directly back into my projects, and it is always appreciated. As always, Ready Crew, please stay safe out there, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Ah!